Hello, friends, and welcome to Making the Grade for the week ending Friday, June 7th. 2019. This week, we can guarantee more chaos surrounding the 24-7 title as much as we can guarantee that Brock Lesnar won't cash in on Raw like they told us that he would. I guess, technically, this is the go-home week for Blood Diamonds 2, but who gives a shit about that, so, nah. But before all that, let me address this. Yes. I know. I forgot to mention Jeff when I was giving everyone props at the end of the show last week. Look. I have ADD, and I was speaking off the cuff, and I forget shit, okay? It happens. Either way, I went down to Pennsylvania, gobbled his knob, and put it all behind us. We cool? Okay, we cool. Anyway, up first, of course, is Monday Night Raw. We are live from the University of Texas, and we open with wildcard Roman Reigns. Seriously, just end the goddamn brand split already. This is fucking ridiculous. Also, during Roman's entrance, they cut to commentary, despite commentary not being lit because of Roman the, Roman's entrance. Good work done, you dipshit. They tell us it's breaking news that Brock cashes in tonight, and not only is that not breaking news since they announced it, like, this morning, it's also not going to happen, so who cares? Cole says it's not a question of when, and then immediately realized that it is actually a question of when, and hurriedly fumbles to rephrase what he just said. Roman just kind of stands in the ring for a second until Shane's music starts to play. He comes out and demands Mike Rome announce him properly. Shane quotes the one Billy Gunn's theme song and then promises to beat Roman on Friday in Saudi Arabia by submission. Roman promises not to let that happen and then promises to beat McIntyre in two weeks at the horribly named Stomping Grounds. Two weeks? Two weeks till Stomping Grounds? Jesus. This brings out Drew to the jeers of two kids in the crowd who are wearing three hats. Drew immediately draws the cheapest of heats, and then he backs up everything Shane said. However, since it is Roman Reigns and they refuse to give him any kind of character development, we all know that Roman will suffer no damage whatsoever on Friday in Jeddah. Drew says, let's do this right now. The Revival attack Roman from behind. This brings out the Usos, and it's time for your opening match. Match number one, three Samoans versus the ultimately underutilized. We go to break on a double dive by the Usos on the Revival. Then we get a Super Showdown ad where they've changed the wording to a WrestleMania-equivalent pay-per-view live from Jeddah. That actually sounds worse than the way they worded it before. The Saudis have Vince over a goddamn barrel, don't they? Pun not intended. McIntyre pins an Uso with a Claymore grade. B. Decent match, but nothing will come of it in terms of the Revival or Drew getting any kind of important victory against the Samoans in the near future. Post-match, they beat down on Roman with a Shatter Machine, a Claymore, and a Spear from Shane. Tonight, The Undertaker and Triple H and Randy Orton face off, plus Brock cashes in. They keep showing us a building entrance, saying that they're waiting for Brock. Not gonna happen. In the crowd are Lance Armstrong, Matthew McConaughey, and their children. Adorable. And to The Miz, he is dressed in a suit, so he will not end up fighting anyone. His guest tonight is Seth Rollins. Someone has forgotten to connect the bass, as his theme seems to be a nice tinny treble tonight. Seth also doesn't believe that Brock Lesnar will cash in tonight, but says if Brock does, he'd actually prefer it, because it will be a weight off of his shoulders. Eventually, a limo shows up, Brock and Paul show up, they begin to head to the ring, and then Brock changes his mind. Shocking. Enter the Lucha house party I have never Wanted to see Lars Sullivan more. This Friday, he has a three-on-one handicap match against Lucha House Party, so that should be fun. 
And here comes Lars. I am shocked and appalled. Surprisingly, the Lucha House Party aren't murdered. Sorry, did I say surprisingly? I meant sadly. Sadly, the Lucha House Party aren't murdered. Backstage, the Iconics make fun of Nikki Cross. Alexa shows up, defends Nikki, then starts turning face by being all sad and shit and offering Nikki a coffee. They're friends. It's cute. Alexa offers to corner Nikki tonight and then makes another joke about the Iconics being Australian. Tonight, Rey Mysterio relinquishes the United States title, plus Braun Strowman takes on Bobby Lashley in an arm wrestling contest. Just Jesus Christ. Also, The Undertaker. Enter Becky Lynch. The Raw women's title is now also Velcro. Becky talks about complacency, which brings out Lacey Evans, who promises to take the one title Becky has left, despite not doing that at Money in the Bank when she had the perfect opportunity to do so. For some reason, this brings out wildcard Charlotte. Speaking of no character development, it's 9 o'clock, and we have had the same amount of matches at this point as we did last week. What the fuck? Lacey points out that Charlotte currently has zero championships while also having zero championships, and then she kind of sort of shoves Charlotte into the ropes, which they try to tell us was a women's right, except that Charlotte doesn't sell it at all. She just seems to be confused more than anything else. Strange. Match number two, Lacey Evans versus Charlotte. Lacey completely whiffs on a leg sweep, but Charlotte is kind enough to bump anyways. Becky eventually causes the no contest by just attacking both women. Grade C, sloppy and unimpressive. Sounds like Jeff's love life. Enter Rey Mysterio. The more they replay the finish to the match at Money in the Bank, the worse it looks. Rey makes a speech. Joe comes out. They argue. Rey says shit in Spanish. Rey actually does give the title to Joe, which did surprise me. And Joe attacks him anyway, which did not. Bonus points for doing the right thing. Meanwhile, backstage, Heyman is on the phone. That's it. Enter Braun Strowman as we go to break. Cole tells us that it's been nearly three years since we've had an arm wrestling match on Raw. That was not a streak that needed to be broken. But first, Cesaro cuts a selfie promo backstage about Ricochet, then Ricochet cuts a selfie promo backstage about Cesaro. I did not know Cesaro wore braces. Interesting. Turns out the streak may stay alive as Bobby slaps Braun in the face instead of locking hands. Sadly, the table is set back up. Bobby flexes while very awkwardly making his eyes huge, and then they arm wrestle, but they lose grip. Strowman wins. Nobody cares. Lashley throws the chalk in Braun's face and then beats him up. We then get a clip of Jinder winning and then losing the 24-7 title on a golf course. Why Jinder showed up at a golf course in his wrestling gear is a mystery for the ages. Backstage, Carmella looks for truth. Drake, EC3, and a referee follow Carmella. Meanwhile... Alexa Bliss. Match number three, Nikki Cross versus Peyton Royce. Peyton starts the match by turning her back on Nikki and doesn't end up paying for it, as when Nikki turns her around, she just kicks Nikki right in the face. Alexa has her coffee delivered. This causes chaos as Peyton spills it all over the floor. Then Billy knocks Alexa down into it, which allows Nikki to pin Peyton grade. See, I'm happy Nikki won, but the match was unremarkable. Alexa gets pissed about her coffee, or maybe her pants, or maybe both, and then attacks Billy. Nikki gets her to celebrate. Backstage, Lesnar jumps around. Seth is in the ring. He says a sentence, and Brock's theme plays, but there's no Brock. So Seth dares Brock to come out. I find this tiresome. Instead of Brock, we get Baron. 
They talk shit. They fight. Brock's theme plays again, which causes Seth to be distracted. This is what always happens to Seth. And Baron gives him an end of days. Then Brock's theme plays again. And this time he comes out with Heyman, a chair, and a referee. Brock kicks Seth straight in the dick and then hits him with the chair repeatedly. Then a suplex. Then he fights with his t-shirt. He F5s Seth on the floor. Heyman repeatedly asks him to cash in. Brock repeatedly denies Paul's wishes. Brock says he'll cash in on Friday. Friday? Friday. Brock leaves Seth dead in the ring sans cash in. For some reason, they, they fade out all sound for a number of seconds until EMTs arrive. It honestly sounds like they've muted the crowd. Not that the crowd is in shock and silent, like... Oh, just that they've literally turned the house mics off or something. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely expected Brock to cash in tonight. I can't believe he didn't. Honestly. Negative points. Also, why the fuck would Baron want to help Brock? From a kayfabe standpoint, Baron has a much better chance of beating Seth on Friday than beating Brock on Friday. So why would Baron want to face Brock on Friday? I just said Friday a lot of times in a row. Seth gets loaded into an ambulance as Cole tries to convince us that this is a serious and grave situation while also awkwardly segueing to Firefly Funhouse. Bray talks to us about exercise. We meet a new friend, Huskus the Pig Boy, who doesn't take very good care of himself. It's one big inside joke, man. They are interrupted by a puppet McMahon with devil horns than the most bizarre workout video ever. It is glorious. Pull up your pants. And do the muscle man dance. Bonus points. It's been two weeks and we've already given up on the third hour will be different gimmick as the graphics, lighting, and ring posts have not changed and it's now well after 10 p.m. Enter Triple H. He says one sentence and Orton comes out. Can anyone, before this segment, tell me why this match is happening? They haven't done a goddamn thing other than announce that this match is happening at Super Showdown. Hunter tries to leave, Randy makes a joke about retrieving his balls from Stephanie's purse, this pops both of them and the crowd, and then Hunter talks about how large his balls are, and how Randy wouldn't know that what that's like, because he doesn't have any. Oh, burn. They still didn't tell us why the match is happening, though. I mean, I don't even care if it's just two friends who want to fight. Fucking tell us something. You can't just show commercials promoting this as, like, the biggest fucking match of the goddamn millennium and not ever actually tell us why these two guys are facing off backstage baron is leaving because he's upset that seth is hurt <laughs> of course he isn't Pachow! they've turned the green into they've turned down the green in cesaro's entrance this week which is nice match number four ricochet versus cesaro ricochet completely botches a hurricane rama off the barricade and nearly sends cesaro face first into the floor rick flubs some kind of tilt a whirl gimmick and so instead wins with a roll-up grade b i mean there were worse matches tonight Cesaro goes after Ricochet, goes under the ring, pulls out a ladder, discards the ladder, and goes after a table, and the table has our truth on it. Chaos ensues, but no title change. But we do get confirmation that Cedric Alexander is alive, so that's good. Also, Su Carmella superkicked Drake Maverick and sent wanted posters flying. Enter The Undertaker. We have literally two minutes for this promo. Taker says that on Friday, he doesn't want Goldberg the family man. He wants Goldberg from 1997. So good luck with that, old man. I mean, dead man. I mean, I'd prefer Goldberg versus Undertaker from 97 or 98, too, but time travel just doesn't work like that, pal. Taker gets his key phrase out. Goldberg, 
you're next. And they immediately cut. Like, you could hear Vince in the back screaming, Say the line, damn it, so they could get out on time. Overall grade for Raw, B. Well, it would have been hard to be worse than last week. Let's not talk about the fact that they somehow managed to have one fewer match this week, despite going almost the first hour without a match last week, and almost the first hour without a match this week. On to Team Blue. Tonight, from Laredo, Goldberg will be on SmackDown for the first time ever. Also, tonight, apparently, Shane McMahon is determined to call out Roman Reigns, whatever the fuck that means. But first, let's open with the New Day, minus Big E, of course. Kofi talks about believing in yourself and then sends us to a video package about his visit to Ghana. It's a very touching video. Kofi fights back his emotions, talking about meeting children meeting family members he'd never met, seeing his grandmother for the first time in 30 years, until, of course, he's interrupted by Dolph Ziggler. Dolph reminds us, in that awful voice he's been using, that this is all about him. This sends us to a video about Dolph where he actually talks in his normal voice. Then back to the arena for the horrible voice. Kofi then shows us footage of Dolph's temper tantrum when he gave up the United States Championship two days after Clash of Champions a year and a half ago. Kofi tells us the difference between the two of them is that he would never quit and then promises to win at Super Showdown. This leads to a recap of the beatings Dolph has thrown Kofi over the last couple of weeks. Dolph says on Friday it will be him, and this brings out KO and wildcard Sami Zayn. Match number one, The New Day versus Best Frenemies. At one point, Sammy heads to the outside. Kevin joins him on the floor. Kofi, I think, tries to leap onto both of them, but Sammy pieces right the fuck out, and Kofi nearly misses Kevin completely. However, a few minutes later, a trouble in paradise ends the night for Sammy Zayn. Grade B. A bit short, but a fun little match. Kofi's celebration is interrupted by a super kick from Dolph, and then Woods gets one too. Then Shane McMahon talks to us about Roman Reigns. After the break, a moment of bliss with special guest Bailey. Bliss welcomes us to a special Fruit Loop Blue brand edition of A Moment of Bliss, and we're lucky to have her since Raw is the better show. That's right, she's a wild card. Enter Bailey, who left her hugs on Raw, but didn't actually change anything about herself or her character. The coffee is not up to standards on SmackDown, apparently, and then Alexa is a cunt to Bailey. So this. Is this like when The Undertaker was WWE Undisputed Champion and was a face on SmackDown and a heel on Raw? Or maybe it was the other way around. Either way, you get my drift. The new coffee arrives, Bailey slaps it out of Alexa's hand, and this brings out Carmella for some reason. Carmella thinks that she should face Bailey for the title since she's actually a SmackDown superstar and also a former champion and former Miss Money in the Bank. This brings out Charlotte, who's looking pretty in pink tonight. Charlotte says that tonight there will be a match to determine who will face Bailey at Stomping Grounds. Carmella versus Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte. Great. Later tonight, Goldberg, probably without his photoshopped goatee. Backstage, Truth complains to Carmella about being 24-7 champion, then Shane McMahon calls, convenient timing, so Truth complains to Shane about being 24-7 champion. Shane makes a title match with standard rules, quote-unquote, between Truth and someone who's already on their way to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, Elias. Ladies and gentlemen, immediate commercial break. Match number two, 24-7 championship, Elias versus R-Truth. Turns out this is a lumberjack match. However, the lumberjacks are precluded from trying to win in the title until after the match has ended. Elias wins in literally like a minute and a half, if that. Grade C. The Lumberjacks then swarm the ring, but Elias manages to escape. He crawls into Truth. They crawl under the ring. Truth pins Elias under the ring and is the champion again, despite not wanting to be the champion not even 10 minutes ago negative points 
Drake chases truth off through the crowd, and Shane McMahon walks us to break. Alistair Black talks to us about how no one answered his open challenge. Apparently, this has made him very angry. Enter Shane McMahon and wildcard the revival. He does the ring announcer gimmick, and Graves calls Greg Hamilton Ham, which I enjoy. Shane lauds the revival for destroying the Usos last night, and we get a replay of Shane beating up Roman. Shane talks about training the big dog. Shane says he will neuter the big dog on Friday. I was honestly waiting for a euthanasia joke, but uh, we'll take castration. Why not? Enter Roman. Shane sends the revival after him. They both get Superman. Roman goes after Shane, who is alone in the ring, and gets ambushed by a claymore from Drew McIntyre. Shane hits another spear and mocks Roman some more. Hey, did you know Goldberg will be here later? Up next, the triple threat match to determine who will face Bailey at Stomping Grounds. Match number three, Charlotte versus Carmella versus Alexa Bliss. Dear God... The Stomping Grounds logo has a boot in it. Fuck. Carmella does get the code of silence on Charlotte, but Charlotte manages to escape. Charlotte then kicks Alexa's face off. Then Carmella dispatches a Charlotte, This and this brings fire and desire to ringside. Charlotte does get the figure eight on Carmella, but Alexa breaks this up by hitting Twisted Bliss on Charlotte. Carmella breaks up the pin at two. Charlotte then hits the bow down to the queen on Alexa. It is still called that, right? But Carmella breaks it up again. Carmella super kicks Charlotte, but fire and desire prevent her from capitalizing. Bliss DDTs Carmella and is moving on to stomping grounds. Grade? Good triple threat. Not a lot of dead spots and not too much one-on-one action. Tom then sends us back to last night and Brock Lesnar beating the absolute shit out of Seth Rollins. Up next, Kayla tries to interview Lars Sullivan again. She asks him what his motives are. He tells her that is a stupid question. He makes her call him a freak and then gets upset about it. So Lars' gimmick is AJ Lee just swap crazy for a freak? Then he calls himself a freak of nature. So do you hate the word or not? He then promises to paint a beautiful portrait with the bodily fluids of the Lucha House Party. Okay, buddy. You might want to try the meds again. Then we're shown Goldberg's door. Did you know Goldberg was here? Enter Andrade as we go to break. Match number four. Andrade versus Apollo Apollo Cruz. Really? All right. Andrade beats the shit out of Apollo before the bell, which cancels the match and brings out Finn Balor. They brawl, but Finn's, Finn ends up eating a hammerlock DDT as well. That was fun. Then a recap of Hunter and Randy from last night for no reason. Enter Oldberg. Sorry, Goldberg. God, I hope this sucks. Why? Why the hell? Why, why does Goldberg need a security detail now? Dude's like fucking 50. What the hell is he going to do? He's wearing a t-shirt that says Legendary Goldberg. It's a little self-centered, don't you think? Goldberg tells us he's been waiting 20 years to face The Undertaker. So only since 99? You didn't give a shit about him for the first nine years of his WWE career, Bill? What, do you want to face Biker Taker in Saudi Arabia? Bill agrees that it won't be Family Man Goldberg that we see on Friday. Goldberg hits his catchphrase. The lights go out. The gong hits. So the gong hits again. Everything's blue and takers in the ring. They stare at each other. Gong lights. Gong lights. No taker. Uh, Bill laughs a little bit, then yells at Taker about his jockstrap and leaves. Not Family Man Goldberg then makes sure to talk to all the little kiddos on his way back to the back. They then fill the last two minutes by running down the Super Showdown card. Overall grade for Raw. C+. plus. You... You remember, you remember when this was a wrestling show? Three official matches in two hours. Are you fucking kidding me? <sighs> Overall grade for the week, B. 
minus. Remember when we used to complain in the Attitude Era about how every Raw opened with a 20-minute promo and people used to do the math and complain about how there were only like 32 minutes of wrestling on a two-hour episode of Raw? According to Cage Match, there were 40 minutes and five seconds of wrestling on Raw this week. On a three-hour show, there was two-thirds of an hour of wrestling. Sure, you can point out that, yeah, that averages out to 10 minutes per match, which is a good thing, as opposed to the Attitude Era where the matches would be like two or three minutes, usually with some higher-profile matches lasting maybe eight minutes. But goddamn, at least there were matches. Six, seven, eight matches in a two-hour show. I swear to God, if Vince had his way, we'd be lucky to get one match a week and everything would just be promos and vignettes and gay jokes. Triple H manages to squeeze, what, like 40 minutes of wrestling into a one-hour show with NXT and 205? Vince needs to die, is my point. Vince needs to fucking keel over and be buried in the goddamn ground. On that note, that does it for me for this week. I need to go relax with a good stiff Coke Zero. Speaking of things that are good and stiff, if you have not yet done so, be sure to visit rundownwrestling.com to vote in the hottest man in WWE tournament. Enjoy all the other shows on the Rundown Network and join me back here next weekend for another edition of Making the Grade. Blurch.